It's my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly realms, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. So I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. I will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. Maybe seated, we'll start off in Philippians chapter 4. We're doing this week of increase on mastering money every year because I want your account in heaven to be made fat. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 17 to 19, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God and my God. See, that's how, that's the context of Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. One translation says, I want heaven to record more on your account. So Paul could give them the promise, Philippians 4.19, because they had partnered together with him and they had participated in the matter of giving and receiving. As we have seen this week, Philippians 4.19 does not apply to everybody. It is available to everybody, but it does not apply to everybody. But Paul could give them the promise, Philippians 4.19, because they had partnered together with him and had participated in the matter of giving and receiving. Tell your neighbor, it's not just giving, it's, not just giving. it's, receiving. it's receiving. Tell the neighbor on the other side, it's not just giving, it's, giving. it's, receiving. it's receiving. Verse 15, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. This is an, this is an astounding thing for Paul to write, that not one church had partnered together with him in this matter of giving and receiving except the church in Philippi. So don't murmur and complain like the Israelites did, but rejoice, 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 and be glad that you have the opportunity to give into the gospel, into God's work and God's mission and God's house. Because of these meetings, our bank accounts in heaven are going to get fat. We know we have accounts in heaven because Jesus said, Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
Now let's go back to Galatians 13, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 13, and Deuteronomy 28, and wrap up this week. Galatians 3, 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that's the new King James, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Christ redeemed us. Say it out loud. Christ redeemed us. That's past tense. He's not going to. He's not fixing to. He's not about to. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Say it out loud. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for me. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on me through Christ Jesus so that I might receive the promise of the Spirit. So I want to get it, I want to get it rooted in your heart that God has paid the price for us to have some things, some blessings, and that we ought not give up until we have what God has provided for us to have. But we have to go in. We saw that last night. We have to go in and possess the land. Tell your neighbor, we have to go in and possess the land. <laughs> you know, they did a census, so we know exactly how many fighting men there were after the exodus. And so you extrapolate that out to women and children. We're talking about between two and three million people. And out of all those people, only two entered the promised land. Caleb and Joshua. So, you know, you know, the world has some things right. The world says, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right? And uh, so we have to apply ourselves to possess the land. You know, when Joshua was an old man and his end was near, the Lord spoke to him in Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. It says, now Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you are old, advanced in years, and there remains much land yet to be possessed. The King James says, there remaineth very much land to be possessed. That's what I am saying this week to this congregation. There remaineth very much land to be possessed. I came down here to tell you in no uncertain terms that you may think that you've gotten a long way down the road in your faith walk with the Lord, but I'm telling you, there remaineth much land to be possessed. I said there remaineth much land to be possessed, but we've got to believe God, and we've got to press on. I don't think we've believed God for enough. I said I don't think we believe God for enough. In Deuteronomy 28, we have all the blessings of the law in the first 14 verses, and then the rest of the chapter is devoted to rehearsing the curses of the law. And we just saw in Galatians 3, 13 and 14 that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So you are right now redeemed whether you walk in it or not. You are right now redeemed from the curse of the law whether you take advantage of it or not. This is the way the kingdom of God works. It doesn't matter what area of life we're talking about. 
to make it work for you, you have to believe it, you have to hear it, you have to believe it, you gotta rehearse it, then you gotta take action upon it. But right now, whether you are walking in it or not, you are redeemed from the curse of the law. You have a biblical right to not suffer any curse of the law. Say it out loud, I have a biblical right to not suffer any curse of the law. See, we have to dare to believe God. We have to dare to believe God for it. <laughs> you know, the thing I love about the Lord is it doesn't take any more energy on my part to believe him for <laughs> a million dollars than it does to believe him for $10,000. Now, I know that that went right past you. You know, when we pioneered this church in 1984, I mean, uh, somebody might have been given $100 a week. Man, well, they were a big giver. I mean, I just didn't have, I just wasn't at that place. But now, I, I mean, believing God for a million dollars is not any harder than believing God for $1,000 in 1984. Now, now I know, I know, that can hit you a little sideways, the very fact that I'm saying that, but we ought to be growing. We ought to be moving forward. We ought to be pressing forward. And these are just numbers. You understand, to God Almighty, the Ancient of Days, these are just numbers. You understand that? And they're printing so much money that we maybe end up like Guatemala. I remember I went down to Guatemala once to preach and all the money that had been going through the banks, they had rubber stamps and they were stamping in extra three zeros on all the bills. Because the bills, let's say for a, a thousand Quetzals, is it Quetzals in Guatemala? Well, they, you couldn't buy anything. So you needed a, a million Quetzals. And so they, they put a, a stamp on all of them and an extra three zeros. It's ridiculous what they're doing. So we need to grow. Amen. Tell your neighbor, we need to grow. We need to, grow. We need to, mature. We need to mature. We need to not freak out about numbers. Amen. I said we need to not freak out about numbers. Amen. Amen. I, I mean... I would never have thought it'd take a, ten, a, a tenth of a million dollars to buy an Escalade. What happened? I said, what happened? It's just nuts. A pickup truck, you know, a diesel pickup truck is a tenth of a million dollars. It's amazing what they've done. So tell your neighbor, we sure don't need less. We need more. Amen. Father, we need some extra three zeros stamped on our income. <laughs> Why don't we confess that? Say, Father, we need an extra three zeros stamped on our income. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you. See, God wants you to have abundance. He loves you. Lift both hands. Say, thank you, Father God. You love me. And God wants you to have what he has planned for you. You ought to get excited about it. But see, too many of God's people, even God's people are living under the curse and they don't know that they've been redeemed from the curse.
Say it again. Christ redeemed me. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. And last evening, we dealt with some of these curses. Let's pick up back in Deuteronomy 28, 29 and not reveal anything. And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper. Now, this is verse 29. You shall not prosper. Is that one of the blessings in the first 14 verses? Or is that one of the curses in verses 15 following? You shall not prosper. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. Now notice, one curse of the law is not prospering. Say it, th say it out loud. One curse of the law, curse of the law is not prospering. Or we could say it this way, not prospering, not prospering. Is, a is a curse of the law. Now, when we ought to look at these curses this way. These curses are what Satan wants to do to you but cannot, so long as you are walking in covenant with God. But if you don't walk in covenant with God, or if you stray away from walking in covenant with God, you yourself open the door for Satan to come into your life and to do to you what he's been wanting to do to you all along. But you have a right to prosperity. Say it out loud. I have a right, have a right. to prosperity. prosperity. You know, why do I rehearse things this way? Because we have to renew our minds. We've got to get our minds right. We have to hear the word. We've got to believe the word. We've got to rehearse the word until we become confident of the word and confident that the word belongs to us. Say it out loud. I have a right, have a right to, prosper. to prosper. I'm not under the curse. Under the curse. And the curse, the curse is, you shall not prosper. Shall not prosper. And I'm not under the curse. Under the curse. So, I so I have a right to prosper, to prosper. in Christ. Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad, not sad. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Who favor my righteous cause? We ought, we ought to do a sermon on that on Sunday morning. Who favor my righteous cause. What, what's he talking about? God's work, God's kingdom, and God's house. And let them say continually, not, not occasionally. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Say it out loud. Let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. But what happens when God's people don't walk in covenant with God or stray away from walking in covenant with God? Deuteronomy 28, 29. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually and no one shall save you. So, you shall not prosper in your way, and you shall only be oppressed. And a lot of God's people are putting up with oppression. They don't even know that they have been redeemed from out from under oppression. We need to believe God for what belongs to us. <laughs> Listen, this is it. This is it. This is it. Sunday morning through this moment in time has led us to this place. We need to believe God for what belongs to us. 
It belongs to us. We're not making this up. Right? Tell your neighbor, pastor did not write the book of Philippians. We're not making this up. We're just preaching the word. And this stuff belongs to us. Because Jesus paid a price for us to have this. Amen? So what we need to do is stretch our faith, not be content, because Faith Christian Center's paid off, not be content. We need to stretch our faith. We heard last night, found out that we're to be the, we're to be the lenders, not the borrowers. We're to be the head and not the tail. We're to be above and not beneath. John Osteen used to like to quote Edwin Markham. Great is the dream, the dream. Great it is to dream the dream. When you stand in youth by the starry stream, but a greater thing is to fight life through and say in the end, the dream was true. Great it is to dream the dream. Amen. And then to get to the end and say, the dream was true. So, I'm, but I'm telling you, you got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight the good fight. You've got to stand your ground. If you're here tonight and you're saying to yourself, there's no way I could give a million dollars into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you haven't renewed your mind. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. There, there are people here tonight, and I can't tell somebody else's business. There are people here tonight, and when I met them, they had nothing or they had less than nothing. And I don't, I don't know if they've given a million dollars, but I know they're worth more than that. And there are people here tonight who have given a million dollars. And uh, don't let your race get in the way, because you know some white people, they got a problem with this. You know, like, well, you know, I'm too humble to even think like that. But uh, we, we got people of color among us, and they're coming up. Amen? Amen. And uh, they're not afraid of some work. Amen. Amen? So it's not based on race. It's not based on color. There's a man in this church and to this day, every time I see him, I hug him. I don't know what he thinks of that. It's got me crying. And on uh, Easter Sunday, 2018, an African immigrant dropped $100,000 in that offering. An African immigrant. I'm not talking about an African-American. I'm talking about an African immigrant. And it, it moved me then. And when, it, when the Holy Spirit brought it to my recollection just now, it moved me now. I don't, I don't want to be in this land of plenty and lift my hand and say, God can't do this. And God can't do that. And I can't do this. And I can't do that. You know, we've been focused all week on Philippians 4, 19. Wait a minute. What about verse 13? Say it out loud. I can do all things, can do all through, things. Christ, through Christ who gives me the strength. Me the strength. Amen. I can do all things yes. through Christ. See, I'm not saying I can do it. I'm not saying I'm smart enough to do it. 
I'm not saying my parents produced uh, a child that could do it. Oh, no, not those two. Oh, no. But in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Connected to my daddy through Christ, I can do all things. Can you see that? And there's no boasting in that, except we're boasting in the Lord. There's no arrogance in that. Amen. I've already done all kinds of impossible things. What difference does it make? Add two or three more to it. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Say it again. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Again, I can do all things. Don't be telling God what you can't do and don't be telling God what God cannot do. God can do anything he wants to do except violate his own word. Say it out loud. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Now, we know God is able. Look at Ephesians 3.20. Now, to him who is able to do it exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to, it, to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That's how much God's able to do. Immeasurably more. How many of you can ask for a lot? Let me see. I got my hand up. How many of you can ask for a lot? How many of you can imagine a lot? Let me, I got my hand up. Well, God, this God that I'm, I don't know about the God they're preaching about down the road. I don't know about that God. But the God that I'm preaching at Faith Christian Center is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Amen. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can even ask or imagine. Infinitely beyond your highest dreams or aspirations. Just say, Father, I want to help evangelize the world. I want to be a blessing to your work, your mission, your house. So help me prosper. Father God, I want to be a blessing. So help me prosper. Give me the wisdom to do what I should do so that I can prosper. (laughs) Why don't we say that out loud? Father God. Give me the wisdom to do what I should do so I can prosper. And God will do it if you'll honor him with what you have right now. I said God will do it if you'll honor him with what you have right now. Not what you're hoping to have in five years. God will do it if you'll honor him with what you have right now. There's no limit to what God can do in anyone's life. There's no limit. There's no limit. There's no limit to what God can do in anyone's life. If God could use me the way he has, then why can't God use you? If God could use me the way he has, then why can't God use you? I mean to encourage you that God can make the dream come true for you. I said God can make, because your dream may not be my dream. Somebody might like, you know, a country French style. Somebody like, might like a Mediterranean style. Somebody might like a one story. Somebody might want a two story. We all have different dreams, but God is great enough to make all of your dreams come to pass. That's how big my God is. Hallelujah. God is good and something good is going to happen to you if you'll just cooperate. If you'll just cooperate. Amen. I said, if you'll just cooperate, God can take the foolish things and confound the wise. So let's stretch our faith. Deuteronomy 28 verses 47 and 48, because you did not. These are, these are some of the most important verses in the Bible. 
and nearly universally ignored by Christians. Deuteronomy 28, 47 and 48, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in need of everything, and he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. And that's where the church is in 2023, and that is where the United States of America is in 2023. Why? Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness in the day of your prosperity, is what the NIV says. This is New King James here. He says, therefore, you will serve your enemies. But this is why when I walk out the front door every morning, I, I get out there in, you know, 100 degrees or whatever it is right now, and I start out with this five times, with joy and gladness, with joy and gladness, with joy and gladness, do I serve you, Lord, my God, and my day of prosperity? I rehearsed that five times. Why? I want God to know there's not a complaint in my mouth. But there are people out here who are so religiously brainwashed, they'd actually, they actually do say, I wouldn't want God to give me too much because I might backslide. I mean, people actually say that. I've heard that. I wouldn't want to own too big a house because I might backslide. I've heard people say, I might run away from a real good God to a real bad devil. Well, next time you're in an airplane, look out the window. Look down at the earth from an airplane. You see, we can't see from God's perspective. So the next time you're in an airplane, look out the window. And the biggest house in town looking down from an airplane is nothing but a pinpoint. From God's perspective then, your house is nothing anyway, no matter how big it is. And you'd feel guilty to buy a vacation home because then you might own two pinpoints. Oh God, I feel so condemned because I bought another pinpoint. You know, when you, talk, when you listen to the way Christians talk, it's no wonder the world doesn't want to have anything to do with us. Actually, you know, they're afraid whatever cooties we have might get on them. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So God owns the whole world. The earth is the Lord's. We think we own this, you know, 0.8 acres or that half an acre or whatever, but the earth is the Lord's. It's all the Lord's. So he's not too worried about his people having too much land or houses or property. God is a good God, and God wants to do something good in your life. He wants you to have plenty, so learn to master money, the money you've got, and he'll give you more. I said learn to master the money you've got. Learn to honor the Lord with the money you have. No beer, no cigarettes, no drugs, you know, no, no whiskey, no, no porn movies, don't, 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 don't dishonor God with any of your money. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, we don't want to be covetous. We don't want what the other man's got. We don't want the other man's wife or the other man's car, the other man's house. But we're smart enough to see from the word of God that God can give us our own house and our own property. Now, there are two big gaps. There were two big gaps to our training. And one of them was, and we didn't identify this till we had been in the ministry quite a while, and that is what I call the green-eyed monster, covetousness. And we were clueless. 
we were this nice young couple pioneering this church in a hotel, and we had nothing. I mean, we were living in a four-bedroom. Uh, it was a nice tract house, but it was a tract house. And, you know, I, I don't think I had any equity in the car we drove. And, but people were covetous. They were envious. They were jealous. And I, I, I man, I couldn't get my mind around it. I thought, you know, I was having all this trouble with these people. And I was like, what is the deal here? And, you know, Sue's a beautiful woman tonight at 67, but, oh, my gosh, at 28, you can't, can't imagine. And so then there, that was an issue. And it was a gap in our training because nobody warned me, not in Bible school, not our home pastor, nobody warned us about covetousness and envy, nobody. And then I'm not going to tell you the second gap in our training because you might be a little discouraged if you heard that. But anyway, back to covetousness and the green-eyed monster and envy. So, you know, periodically we have challenges with ministers. And they see what we have. And they come in amongst the flock, the congregation. And they start in on this, you know, they don't believe in tithing. See, when somebody says they don't believe in tithing, they're, they're calling Jesus a liar. They're calling the Apostle Paul a liar. They're calling Oral Roberts a tither, a, a liar. They're calling Fred Price a liar. They're calling Kenneth Hagin a liar, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, and Junior, who's still operating. It's ridiculous. And the bottom line is, they use this as a method, a means to try and talk people into giving to them. It's amazing to me. Now, I bring it up as an illustration. I'm not too worried about it because only dumb people fall for this. Uh, and dumb people, I've learned, can't help me. Right. Not, long, not long haul. Picture yourself on a U.S. Navy destroyer in the middle of the Atlantic. Can you do that? Not an aircraft carrier. We're not an aircraft carrier, but I think we're at least a destroyer. And there we are. And Pastor Gene is the captain of the ship and the master of the vessel. And a little pissant comes by in a rowboat down below. <laughs> and he's in a wood rowboat. And he says to you up on the deck, because you're, you're on the USS Faith. Hallelujah. And we're steaming somewhere. And this little pissant down here in this little wood rowboat says, you all have so much and I have so little. You ought to leave Dr. Gene because he doesn't know what he's talking about and come get in my little pissant rowboat and, and not give him any more money, not, not tie there, not, not give offerings there, but come and, and join me. You know, I pull up tonight, and we got water running on the football field. So it's green for the kids next month. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. 
So is little Mr. Pissant watering the grass for your kids for their foot for the football field? No. Well, he ain't got no football field. <laughs> Can your grandchildren go to little Mr. Pissant's private school? No, because little Mr. Pissant ain't got no private school. Can you see it? And there's always a Satan to talk you out of your blessing. There is always a Satan to talk you out of your blessing and to give up your place. We had trouble with this girl. It took the longest time for, for me to convince Sue that I wasn't like crazy. But we had this girl. She was in college. And I would have been, you know, in my 30s. And... She came to 5 a.m. prayer, and I'm talking dressed, and I'm talking smoking hot. I mean, because I'm a guy, even though I'm a minister, and you know what I'm saying? I haven't transed over. I'm a guy. <laughs> and I'm telling you, she, was, she came smoking hot. But then, on Sunday, but then when she came to church, she had on, like, no makeup and a Vermont country store type uh, a dress. <laughs> And so I was telling Sue, you know, this, this college girl's hitting on me. You're imagining that. <laughs> you know, so, you know, we go round and round and round and round and round on this. And, you know, so she thinks I'm complaining. But there's always a Satan to talk you out of what you got. And he, he can use... A preacher, he can use smooth talk, he can use a miniskirt. I'm so blessed. In my day, the miniskirts were only for the women. So, <laughs> say it out loud. Tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, there's always a Satan around to talk you out of your blessing and to talk you into giving up your place. It always helped me. I, you know, anytime I ever saw anything like that, I always pictured another man driving my car away. You know, and I thought, man, ain't nobody going to drive my car, but me. I mean, ain't nobody going to have my stuff but me. I ain't part with nothing Amen. unless I give it to the Lord. If I give it to the Lord, that's fine, but ain't nobody going to take my stuff. Amen. But there's always a Satan. Oh, let's go back to Pissant. <laughs> How many of you can agree with this? What God has done for one, God will do for all. Amen. Because God's no respecter of persons. It's one of the very few statements that's in both the Old and New Testaments. All right. So, if somebody is called, And they preached the word for 50 years. And they preached the word in the same place for 39 and a half years. Would they have some stuff? Yes. Talk to me. Would they have some stuff? Yes. Well, if that's true, why do they want to come and get my stuff? Because they're Bernie Sanders. Right. Amen. 
Can you see that? They want what the other guy's got. I've never been like that. I've never been like that. I always saw that God could give me my own. There's a, there's a guy here tonight. There's a guy here tonight pulled up at I-30 in an S-600. And, and, you know, he says, Pastor, I want you to see my car. And I go out there and I look at that car. I'd never even laid eyes on an S-600. Oh, man. And I, I, I got, went back in the church. I said, Lord, they're getting ahead of me. So I went that week and I bought me an S-600. <laughs> so I didn't want his. Amen. I, wanted, I wanted one for me. Amen. 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 And then also, because I bought new, I got the wheels I wanted. That was different. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, God will give you your own. You Tell own. the neighbor on the other side, God will give you your own. Say it out loud. I don't need, I don't need to, covet to covet what the other guy's got because God will give me my own. Amen. Amen. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, the NIV says, in the day of prosperity. Therefore, you will serve your enemies whom the Lord your God will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in need of everything. Now, we don't want to raise hands and we don't want to picture people in our mind's eye, but I'm sure everybody in the room knows Christians who live their lives in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. So, who is your enemy? Your enemy is not God. Your enemy is Satan, not man. Your enemy, the man, man may be used by Satan, but man is not really the problem. Satan is the problem. Moses says, because you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything in your day of prosperity, you'll serve your enemy. This is, this is the church in 2023. This is, this is America in 2023. And notice all these things that will happen when God's very own people don't serve the Lord with joy and gladness of heart in their day of prosperity. Hunger, thirst, nakedness. Now, that doesn't have to mean like naked, naked. That just means you don't have enough to buy clothes and in need of everything. King James says, in want of all things, he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Listen, that's the curse. Tell your neighbor, that's the curse. Tell your neighbor, that's not the blessing. That's the curse. Want, lack, not enough, that's the curse. When you have to budget your food because there's not enough food in your house, that's the curse. That's not the blessing. When you face nakedness, that is, when you don't have enough to clothe your family, that's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. That's not the blessing. That's the curse. The curse of the law is when you don't have enough food. God's people ought to have plenty. Amen. I said God's people ought to have plenty. Amen. Amen. Sue and I have been there. I know you don't want to believe it. And I know you can't imagine it. But Sue and I have been there. We've been there. When everybody at Faith Christian Center was called a cathedral of praise back then, at, up, back then up at I-30, we've been there where everybody got paid, but I didn't get paid. We've been there. I remember the days when our grocery budget was $10 a week. I remember Sue telling the story of sitting in the car outside of Bill's food store in South Fort Worth down near the seminary and crying 
because instead of spending our $10 grocery budget, she had spent $11 or $12 and didn't know how she was going to tell me later or how she was going to explain such a massive overspending. I remember Sue scavenging around our little seminary duplex apartment looking for a quarter because to get into the seminary swimming pool, it took a quarter. We've been there. I ain't going back. Hallelujah. I've been there, but I ain't going back. I'm here to tell you tonight, it's not God's best, and that's not God's will for his people. I said that's not God's best, and that's, listen, if it's not, if it's not God's best, how could it be God's will? Are you like 15th on the list with God? Amen. But there's a devil out there, and he wants to keep you under his thumb. That is what it is about. And I said, I think it was Sunday, that nothing should be your master. Not debt, not food, not weight, not, uh, you know, a, a, a slave master that makes you do this or that for money. You should not have any master. Amen? Amen. Amen. But to break that curse of the law in your life, you got to take action. you got to take action. Take action, take action, take action, take action. Why, why is the whole Metroplex not here tonight? Because I keep saying, take action, take action, take action, take action. Right. Amen? Amen? To break that curse of the law in your life, you got to take action. Because God wants you to have abundance. This is plain all over the Bible. God wants you to have abundance. People right here tonight might be struggling because of the high price of gasoline or even the price of eggs. Just the other day, Sue was out of town, and I looked up grass-fed organic beefsteak, and they had printed so much money, it was $24 a pound. I couldn't believe it. I'm telling you, when the world is run by evil, incompetent people, you need more money. Amen. I said, when the world is run by evil, incompetent people, you need more money. Amen. People right here tonight may be struggling because they don't have enough money to go out and eat. We've been there. We've been there. That's not the will of God. I said, that's not the will of God. Amen. I want you to get mad about it. I want you to get stirred up about it. I want you to stand up on your hind legs and say to the devil, you're not going to run me. And I'm not going to accept the curse of the law in my life because Jesus redeemed me from the curse of the law. Amen. And resist the devil. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In the Greek it reads, he will flee from you as if in terror. He's not afraid of us, but he's afraid of that name of Jesus. Galatians 4, 27 says, neither give place to the devil. If the devil's got a place in our lives, we gave it to him. Jesus defeated the devil for us 2,000 years ago. Colossians 2, 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them. He put to naught their every work. Amen. One translation, one translation says, Jesus put to naught every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. But if we let him run us, he'll run us. And then we know from Galatians 3.13 that he redeemed us from the curse of the law. So rise up and run the devil out of your life, run the devil out of your body, run the devil out of your family, and run the devil out of your money. Amen. Amen. I said rise up and run the devil out of your life, run the devil out of your body, run the devil out of your family, and run the devil out of your money. Amen. 
He's got no right over us. Amen. He has no place. Amen. God wants you to have abundance. God wants you, God wants you to have not just enough. He wants you to have more than enough. My, 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 my. Why is it so hard to talk God's people into it? If God did not want you to have more than enough, why would he invent the name and call himself by the name El Shaddai? He's the God of more than enough. Amen. I can't help it. I can't help it. I cannot help it. If the guy down the road is serving El Chipo, I'm serving El Shaddai. You know, if the guy down the road wants to preach and serve El Chipo, that's his business. But I'm not. You know, when I went to public school in the 60s, they did the most unusual thing back then in the 60s. They taught us to read. And then I got a Bible. And then I discovered that his name is El Shaddai. He's the God of more than enough. I heard that. Man, I was off to the races. Amen. Amen. I know this stuff is hard to imagine. You can ask Pastor Sue after church. She'll tell you it's absolutely true. The people that raised me, we would go to breakfast with them, and my dad would pay the bill and leave a, you know, a tip on the table for the waiter or waitress, and he'd get up, and he would start sauntering out of the restaurant, and my mom would get up behind him, and she'd take that tip. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. My, my, my. I got delivered. Amen. You may, be, you may be still confessing you're a product of your genes, but I'm not. Amen. Oh, no, no, no. I got brand new DNA in me. Amen. Amen. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need to update your app. <laughs> Amen. Maybe, maybe you got the Old Testament version. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Yes. Hallelujah. I found out who I'm serving. Hallelujah. I found out that he is not just the God of enough. That'd be great, wouldn't it? But he's the God of more than enough. Actually, he's the God of more than what I need. Amen. I mean, Austin, I've been to Kiev, which wasn't communist when we were there, but it had been communist. And there's nothing so grim. There's nothing so depressing as housing in a communist country. Is that how you picture heaven? That you're going to get to heaven and they're going to say you're over in lousy, stinking building, whatever, on the 20th floor and you got 872 square feet? Is that your vision? No. no. My God. I wonder who people are serving. He's the God of more than enough. Hallelujah. 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 I, like to have, I like to have square footage. It takes square footage to be able to think. T.L. Osborne told me, he said, you cannot think small thoughts in a small office. You cannot think big thoughts in a small office. Amen. Got to have room. Amen. And this is Bible. Spread out to the right. Spread out to the left. Amen. Lift up your eyes. I'm telling you without apology, if you'll get connected to me and get connected to Faith Christian Center and stay connected... And, not, and then be a doer of the word that we teach here. Not only will you not be in hunger or thirst or suffer nakedness or be in constant want of all things, 
But there'll come a time in your life when you'll have need of nothing. You'll have need of nothing. I said, there will come a time in your life when you will have need of nothing. I said, there will come a time in your life when you will have need of nothing. Amen. I mean, think of all the things you wish you had. Yeah, but Brother Gene, God may have promised to meet our needs, but, but he never promised to meet our wants. We've already covered this. David said in Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What about Psalm 37, 4? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What about Psalm 34, 10? The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall lack no good thing. What about Mark 11:24? Therefore I send you with things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. What about John 15, 7? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You'll get further with God if you'll stop listening to ignorant people. I said, you'll get further with God if you'll stop listening to ignorant people. Let's go to Acts 20, verse 28. And we have a warning about these people that are trying to dislodge us. Acts 20, 28, here Paul is giving his farewell address to the Ephesians. Keep watch, he's talking to the elders. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock, even, your own, even from your own number, even from your own number, even from your own company, maybe sitting next to you right now. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth. And here we have the answer and why, in order to draw disciples, in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I've not stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So you'll get further with God if you'll stop listening to ignorant people. You'll get further with God if you'll stop listening to unsuccessful people. And you'll get further with God if you'll stop listening to covetous people. Amen. I want you to know God's message of prosperity because we want to do more while we can. The time, the time is running out. Anybody... Anybody with any spiritual discernment at all understands time is running out for humanity. Amen. We're in the end game of this dispensation. Jesus is coming. That's obvious to anyone who can read and has a brain. The signs of the end times are everywhere. Jesus is coming soon. And we're running out of time to give into his work, his mission, and his house. When that last trumpet blows, that'll be the end of our race here on earth. When that trumpet blows, there'll be no more giving then. When that trumpet blows, I mean, you know, I'm in perfect health, but I mean, if, if I fell over dead right now, there'd be no giving. No more giving. That's it. Oh, but I, I'm leaving I'm leaving Faith Christian Center $100 in my will. No, you got to do your giving while you're living. Although, although, if it's, if, it's, if it's a big number, you know, we'd be happy to accept it. Amen. 
He's gone on to be with the Lord, but we used to have a member and, and he would come in once a quarter and, and give a tie to the office on his lottery winnings. And we, we would see him, you know, when we saw him in the building during the week, we thought, oh, here comes the tithe. We were, you know, God bless, amen. Now, would I go spend my money on a lottery ticket? No, but, you know, we put it in God's work, amen. 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 Put it in God's work. I remember back up at I-30, I won a young man to the Lord, and uh, he felt called. We had had Marilyn Hickey in to speak, so he was going to go to Marilyn Hickey's Bible school. And I was at lunch. I didn't get to hear this conversation, but while I was at lunch, he came by the office and he, he said to the secretary, he said, I, all I have in the world is this $6,000. And he said, it's ill-gotten gains from dealing drugs. And he said, I don't know what to do with it, so I thought I'd put it into the work of God. Amen. Amen. And so I, I thought about that. I thought, you know, once, once, once we get our hands on it, it's sanctified, brother. Amen. It just, it passed from death to life. Amen. 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 <laughs> Although we have to be careful sometimes with what we do with money. I was standing out there a few years back and a man known to me as a pedophile, actually an abuser of his own daughters, sh you know, shook my hand. I'm a polite guy. I'm a polite guy, you know. And I, okay, hi, how you doing? And so there, he put a $20 bill in my hand. And I, I get done greeting and I'm walking back here. I got, I got in the back hallway behind the stage and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, are you gonna take that money and mix that money with yours? I said, no, sir. So I got back to the back and I put, made out an envelope. No, I didn't make out an envelope. I didn't even want my name on it. I just stuck $20 in a plain envelope and put it in the offering at 11 o'clock. Because once it goes into the kingdom of God, you understand? But I learned a great lesson that day. The source of money matters. If the source of money did not matter, why would the Holy Spirit say to me, are you going to take that money and mix that with yours? Because I assume, I mean, we're not talking about a spirit. We're not talking about, you know, spooky stuff. But if the source is bad, I don't want it infecting what, what I have. You understand? I don't want to mix it in with what I have. Amen. And I don't have Bible on that. That's just what I learned from the Holy Spirit that day. And so, questionable money. Sometimes we come up with questionable money. We just give it. Amen. And then I figure, well, it's not really my problem. Amen. Let the, we just, and sometimes if you really don't know what to do with it, mark missions on the envelope. You know, let's give it away. Amen be a blessing to somebody else. I want to follow the instructions of the Lord and I want to do what I can while I can. I said, I don't know about you, but I want to follow the instructions of the Lord and I want to do what I can while I can. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, you know, we're honest people. We teach out of the book of Proverbs that we should save money, we should invest money. In fact, that's part of our fourfold strategy. Make the money, tie the money, save and invest the money, sow the money. So we save money, but we don't put our faith in that money. We save money 
but we don't have our trust and our hope in that money. Do you understand? There's a difference between having a rainy day fund or money for retirement versus trusting that money. Because you do understand, right, they're printing so much money, all the money we have is getting less and less valuable all the time. And God wants as many people to hear the good news as possible before the end. And let me say this, since we're wrapping this up, if God puts a vision in your pastor's heart that's going to cost millions and millions of dollars, he must also have a plan to run tens of millions of dollars through the hands of the congregation. Are you hearing me? If God puts a dream and a vision in your pastor's heart that's going to cost millions of dollars, God also, because how many of you know God's smart? God's intelligent. So he's also simultaneously got to have a plan to run tens of millions of dollars through the hands of the congregation. But if you don't master the little you've got, how can God trust you with more? We learned this from the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. If you are not faithful in the little, then how can God make you master over much? Sometimes we find out how little people have among us, and they tithe, and they give above and beyond the tithe. And in the natural, we could feel guilty about it. But then we remind ourselves that we were there once, and we remind ourselves that God's plan works. Shout it out loud, God's plan works. works. Shout it again, God's plan works. works. I sat in a champion builder group a while back, and I heard a man talk about how when he and his family first came to Faith Christian Center, they had so little, they watered down the milk before they gave it to their children. And the more he talked, the worse I felt. And he talked about getting saved at Faith Christian Center. And he talked about how hard it was to sit through the offerings and take it all in. And he talked about how hard it was to tithe when they could not pay their rent and they didn't have enough food and they were watering down the children's milk with water. And as he talked, I felt worse and worse and worse. I felt like sliding under the table and crawling out to the door on the floor. But then he talked about how they started to believe the Word of God and how they started to take action and how God began to prosper them. And he wrapped up his testimony by saying, that they had just bought a brand new house and they had just moved into a brand new house. Well, Pastor Gene was sitting tall at that table by the end of his testimony, I'll tell you that. I'm telling you, it can be humbling when I hear these stories and how people start out and, and it takes some faith to believe God and to take action on the Word of God. But praise God, Praise God, praise God, he is faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout out loud, my God is faithful. faithful. And praise God, his word is good. And praise God, his word is true. And praise God, I can count on his word. Hallelujah. If we'll just discipline ourselves to not go by how we feel and not go by how it looks in the natural, 
but to go by what God's Word says and to do what God's Word says over time will come up and will come out of and will come out from under the thumb of the curse of the law. You've got to give so that it will be given unto you. That's what Jesus said. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said, give and it shall be given unto you. Not maybe so, not I hope so, not uh, it might happen. No, Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Say it out loud. I'll give and it shall be given unto me. Shout it again. I'll give and it shall be given unto me. Say this, I'll give, and it shall be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into my bosom, or with the measure I meet with all, it shall be measured back to me again. Who said that? Talk to me, who said that? The Lord Jesus. Then there's this, this objection. I don't give to get. I think that's wrong. When you save money, do you expect a return? When you buy a piece of land, do you expect a return? When you buy a house to, uh, well, to live in or to rent, either one, do you expect a return? When you buy a stock or a mutual fund, do you expect a return? Well, why is it then when people come to the things of God, they get so stupid? They're not really that stupid. You understand that. That's an act. They're just putting on a religious act, acting like they're pious, saying ridiculous things like, I don't give to get. I think that's wrong. They don't really think that. I mean, nobody could be that stupid. They're just putting on an act. Amen. They're just acting religious. They're talking religious. Actually, they remind me of the Pharisees in the television series, The Chosen. You know, man, they got the robes. They got the talk. They got the act. You know, they act so spiritual. They act so religious. We saw them. We saw them. There's not a deader place on the planet than the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. We've been there. Oh, and they're all acting religious, very fervent. But you know what? I've been there. There's no power there. There's no presence of God there. Think about it. The place where God used to live, but there's no spirit of God there there's no power there. You never have, in your entire life, you've never heard a testimony out of prayers prayed and the slips of paper stuck into the cracks at the wailing wall. That's all empty. I mean, I'm sad to say it. You know, I, we were standing there and I texted a friend of mine and I said, you know, it's too bad we can't pitch a tent and have a Holy Ghost meeting here and get some God in this place. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Get some God in this place. It's empty. Amen. But they act religious. They act so holy. Amen. And I know people have a problem with that. I don't act religious. In fact, I'm irreligious. Amen. I don't act holy. Amen. Although I feel very holy when I bask in the blessings of the Lord. Amen. You don't, like my daddy in the faith, Fred Price, used to say, you don't think this is Satan blessing me, do you? 
In one of his messages, Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, told the funniest story. <laughs> he, was, he was holding a meeting in a full gospel church, and they brought him a man in a wheelchair, and he had been in that wheelchair a couple of decades. And uh, the man was marvelously and gloriously healed by the power of God in that meeting. Well, the next week, I think it was, he met the local pastor of the Southern Baptist Church. And this man that had been crippled was a member of that church. And he wanted to go to the, he, he, he told Brother Hagin, he said, I was walking down the street downtown, you know, a little town in, in East Texas. I'm walking down the street and here's this man walking toward me. And he said, I couldn't believe my eyes. He said, we built a ramp at our church so they could wheel him into the church. That was before all the laws. And he said, I couldn't believe my eyes. This man that had been in that wheelchair for a couple of decades, and he's walking toward me down the street. And he says, hey, he says, hey, brother pastor, I got healed by the power of God down at the Pentecostal church. <laughs> and so he told brother Hagen, he said, you know, when that became known in, the, in our church, he said, people were saying, well, that was the devil. And he told brother Hagen, he said, I'm smart enough to know that the devil's not healing Baptist. <laughs> well, that's the way I feel about the blessings of the Lord. Amen. You don't think it's the devil been blessing us, do you? Amen. It is our wonderful and our beautiful father. I'd rather stand with Moses who wrote in Genesis 8, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. You see, I believe in sowing a seed, and I believe in reaping a harvest. Say it out loud. I believe in sowing a seed and reaping a harvest. You know, my time's running out. I can't go back there. But Paul talked to them about how that of all the churches he had pioneered and was connected with, it was only the Philippian church that joined into partnership with him in the matter of giving and receiving. What is another way of saying giving and receiving? Sowing and reaping. I'd rather just stand with the Lord Jesus than with the so-called believer who would talk like that. For me, it's a non-decision. I'd just rather stand with the Lord Jesus. I'd rather stand with the Lord Jesus who said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. I'd just rather stand with the Lord Jesus who said to the man with only one talent, who refused to put his master's money to work, to gain more talents, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. I'd rather just stand with the Lord Jesus who said, for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And besides all that, Jesus wants us to have abundance. I said, Jesus wants us to have abundance. See, this is a curse. Deuteronomy 28, 47, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything or in your days of prosperity, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have that life more abundantly. 
So my brothers and my sisters in the Lord, I can't do it for you. You got to rise up. You got to rise up in faith. You got to rise up and take action on the word of God. You got to rise up and get yourself out from under the devil's thumb and get yourself out from under the curse of the law. Soon I've been on both sides of this thing. I know what I'm talking about. The curse is hunger and thirst and nakedness and to be in one of all things. And the devil, if you'll let him, will put a yoke of iron around your neck and he'll eventually try to destroy you. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I don't know about you, but here is my confession. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed me out from under the thumb of Satan. Jesus redeemed me, so I stand my ground. Oh, no, you don't, Mr. Devil. I go through this once or twice a week. Oh, no, 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 no. No, we've been through that. You know your place under my feet. I'm not having that. We've been, I tell them, I tell them. Now, look, you want, you want me to bring the Bible out and beat you up again? I will, I will. But why mess around with that for five minutes? You know you're defeated. You just, you just go find somebody else to pick on because I'm not having it. I'm not having that pain. I'm not having that symptom. I'm not going to put up with it. Amen. Amen. I shoo him off like a dog. Amen. Smith Wigglesworth was at a bus stop once, and there was this woman ahead of him at this bus stop, and a little dog came out of nowhere. And she's talking to the dog. No, 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 smoochums. You got to go back. Can't come with mommy today. Mommy's got to ride the bus. You can't go back. And this went on for quite a while. And so finally, you know, the bus is coming and coming up, coming up to a stop. And finally, she just stomped her foot and said, get! And Smith Wigglesworth laughed and he said, lady, that's how you got to treat the devil. Amen. Amen. You just, you can't negotiate. Look how negotiating turned out for Eve. You can't negotiate. You just got to run them off. In the name of Jesus, Satan, I rebuke you. You're not going to have what belongs to me. I'm not going to give you any place. I'm not going to give you any place in my body. I'm not going to give you any place in my money. I'm not going to give you any place in my family. Not, I'm not giving you any. I'm not going to give you any of my blessings. Amen. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed me from sickness. All those things in Deuteronomy, verses 15 after. He redeemed me from tumors. He redeemed me from blindness. I mean, go down the list. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. It has nothing to do with me. It can't touch me. I'm above it. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm redeemed from want. I'm redeemed from the yoke. I'm redeemed, and I'm going to stand my ground. Things aren't going to change overnight. But if you'll stay put, keep your confession strong, and keep honoring God with what you do have, God will give you more.